Don McKinnon. I'm the, currently the chairman of Aspen New Zealand. Uh, all of us here in New Zealand were just astounded, dumbstruck when this happened to your country. And being great believers in liberal democracies, there wouldn't be a New Zealander who wouldn't wish to reach out and give you support because we know the difficult times you're going through. I wouldn't even like to contemplate trying to tell you any problems we've got in our country. They are infinitesimal compared with what you are going through right now. Clearly, we want to be able to help where we can. And I think this dialogue that's opening up now will help. I speak as one who, born before World War II, and benefited by 75 years of peace. And then suddenly this happens, and it's as though the clock has gone back 80 years. It's something that just has to come to an end, and certainly it must come to an end to the benefit of the people of Ukraine. Two, three months of the Russian build up on, uh, of the Russian troops <clears throat> on the border, we had lots of discussions, and um, I attended many meetings. Um, and, uh, and provided comments to international media about how do we interpret uh, that buildup. And uh, of course, there was a lot of discussion about the strategic ambiguity, about uh, the leverage Russia is trying to, uh, to use against Ukraine and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I have to be frank, uh, we, uh, myself personally, I didn't expect an all-out invasion, which, uh, which happened on the 24th of February. Uh, a lot of discussion was uh, was about uh, the Russia's uh, assault in 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 the east in Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. Uh, however, um, we we it, we it just still we we couldn't just accept or believe the fact that there'll be an all out invasion on on three different fronts. Uh, apparently, we do need some effective uh, weapons out there. We need artillery. We need more uh, anti tank missiles. We need more anti ship missiles. Uh, we need we need ammunition uh, of certain caliber. Uh, we need heavy offensive weapons. Anything which is used in Ukraine right now for offensive purposes is actually defensive. Uh, so we we need it badly. We need equipment. Um, as you know, Australia has provided uh, Bushmasters, which are protective vehicles. Twenty of those. We need more. Uh, others are coming from 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 other countries, from the Netherlands and 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 and, and other places. Um, we need some modern air defense systems because at the end of the day. Uh, there is very little we can do against those ballistic missiles which are out there, right? Uh, and uh, and cruise missiles and uh, and and other um, mil uh, Russian weapons which which we just do not have and we do not have means to counter that, right? And uh, look, uh, we are there in the trenches and we are there in the trenches for you, but this is for real. Uh, the whole world is watching the outcome of this, and uh, if this behavior. Uh, assertive uh, policy and actually breaking the rules and, and doing what you want is actually is allowed, uh, that's going to set a very, very negative precedent for other countries to do the same thing uh, in the region here. The ANZAC experience uh, for you uh, was something that, that brought you closer to your sovereignty and, and independence. So you kind of lived through that experience in the First World War, which we which brought statehood to, to, to New Zealand and Australia. And we are experiencing something similar. Going back to eight years ago, uh, the birth of the U Ukrainian political nation has come through this military experience and for all this tragic loss uh, and for the past eight years. But especially now through this invasion, we, just we are living through that, right? We, we fully embrace 
the emergence of a political Ukrainian nation where Russian-speaking Ukrainian speakers, Catholics, Orthodox, Jews, and Muslims are all united against one evil. And we're all fighting together. And this is, we haven't seen it before. At the end of the day, uh, will the, the, the good will take over evil, will we'll, we'll kick Russians out, will be able to rebuild the country. And, and this is where we'll need the support uh, of countries like New Zealand, Australia, and other democracies who can help us build a new uh, country. And I, th- I think this is a watershed moment in our history. We can never go back to what we've had before. This is just going to be a totally different country because having gone through that um, experience, being a traumatized nation, of course, uh, we'll need maybe two or three generations to, to overcome it. But it's now very deeply into our genes, into our blood. Um, this is something we're going to remember. We'll, we will not be able to, to forgive the Russians for that. And I think Russia has lost us forever now. I found it incredibly useful to read uh, to one of the Churchill books on the Second World War. And it was incredible for me that uh, it wasn't even about the Second World War, which was very interesting for me and very useful, but it was about the First World War and how it ended and about the um, discussions and you know, all, all of the things that led to the Second World War after the first one. And I found it that uh, all of the remarks he wrote, all of the quotes he wrote, are actually incredibly useful for me to talk to international leaders all over the world. And unfortunately, um, I can tell you honestly that one of the big phrases he uses is that the malice of uh, vicious people was reinforced by weakness of the uh, virtues, right? So the, the deeds of bad people were very much reinforced by the silence or by the weakness of the good people. And I think this is what we've had starting from 2014. Uh, well, basically, first, we did not expect this uh, full invasion on that scale. None of us did. And European countries obviously didn't want to hear about this. Second of all, we were told and told and told uh, to uh, find a compromise, to put it to peace. And again, I quote Mr. Churchill on the First World War, when he said that after the First World War, the calls actually to compromise and to peace had become uh, the reasons of a deadly danger for all of the continent. And this is something where I don't know, are we forced to repeat the history all over again? This is something that, you know, scares me a lot. Even now, we are fighting for the world. We are fighting for the democratic values. We are fighting for the security architecture and to keep the security architecture and international law at place as much as we can. And Putin is fighting against all that but we would like it to end on our territory and not spread further to Poland, to Latvia, to Finland, uh, to the US, to Paris, and to all of the other countries all over the world. I will not tell you um, the numbers you know, of, of uh, civilians dead, of children dead. Uh, you, you all know the horrible stories. Um, we've had two visits to Bucha and Borodyanka with our international colleagues and members of parliament. And it's, it's completely horrifying to see what is there because when you see it in the pictures and the videos, it doesn't really bring you, you know, the smells, the visions, the reality of those pictures. Uh, I really hope that, uh, you know, the, the, the story will not be repeating itself all over again and that, you know, what we've seen in Bucha and Borodyanka and Mariupol, we will not see in other cities in Ukraine and we will not see in other cities across Europe. But unfortunately, this is, this is still a very big possibility. If we are not able to win this war together with your help, with your weapons, with your aid, with uh, 
with aid of, of your governments on the territory of Ukraine. Just before the war, we had quite a painful discussion online with uh, President Daria Gribonskaita, and she said to us, you know, quite angry even that you are asking for a lot of sanctions and you've asked for a lot of sanctions during the years and we did the sanctions, but the dictators, especially med dictators, are not stopped by sanctions. They are stopped on the battlefield with the soldiers and by the army. And I felt very emotional and very angry about it because I thought that this is a good excuse not to do enough. But actually, I can tell you that probably she was right. The thing is that we are doing our part. And our soldiers, our uh, you know, volunteers, our um, defense on every city, our army are doing its job on stopping the aggressor. And we, we are going to keep doing the job. But to do that properly, we first need the weapons. And we need them in much larger amount and scale that we are getting them right now, to be honest. And then we need further sanctions. Why is the war? Uh, because uh, it's not about uh, NATO enlargement, NATO membership, any sort of security guarantees. Putin does not believe the West fundamentally. It does not believe any guarantees, whether it's written or non-written. The war is about destroying Ukraine, destroying our statehood, destroying anything Ukrainian, destroying uh, and uh, reloading the history of the language uh, because uh, for people around Putin, Ukraine is uh, Russian, but somehow got any sort of uh, Western virus and it's intentional. Uh, so fundamentally any success of Ukraine and our mere existence is a fundamental problem for, uh, for the Russian regime. And Russian regime now is not any sort of autocracy as before, it's a pure dictatorship. If you compare it with China, in China we have Politburo, where you have uh, some people uh, getting uh, these decisions together. In Russia, it's only Putin. Advised by some people, but it's only Putin. Secondly, it's about uh, clear support by, by the Russians. And the Russians, after all years of propaganda, simply represent completely different set of values. They are definitely not values of democracy, rule of law, not in any way. It's completely different set of values. And if you compare the modern Russia with, uh, with Italy at the beginning of, uh, not beginning, but in the 20s uh, of the previous century, you uh, you uh, you would not fi find uh, a lot of differences. It's a purely fascistic regime uh, with clear focus on history, uh, creating a sort of myth out of history, having a clear vertical structure with uh, with a sort of uh, medieval uh, system of uh, of loyalty. And for Putin, uh, destroying Ukraine is important. And uh, we have, and it's important to understand, uh, the 30th of December this year, the 100th anniversary from, uh, of, the, of the Soviet Union. 
It was, uh, it was created exactly 100 years ago. We all uh, forgot about it for Putin and for people around him. It's absolutely alive. And he wants to get it back. Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, or part of Ukraine and part of uh, Kazakhstan. So fundamentally for him, it's a sense of mission. It's not something rational. It's also a sense of mission. So uh, the war uh, you know, had started uh, as simply a fundamental uh, willingness uh, and commitment of Putin to destroy Ukraine. Why now? Because, uh, because of the 100th anniversary, because Putin believes his position is pretty good military. He believed at least. And he believed uh, the interdependence uh, with the European Union on gas, on oil, on everything else got him a chance uh, to escape. Putin will not stop. It's not how I see it. And the only serious negotiation would start from the point where we, we would have a military deadlock. So the simple phrase, we are with you, and uh, the fate of Ukraine and the fate of the of the, of the free and democratic world uh, going to be decided uh, on the battlefield is, is, uh, is, is, not a, is not a slogan, no more. It's a reality. So any sort of support, whether it's uh, military or economical support uh, in real time, 24-7, is, uh, is, is critical for us. And uh, it's going... Uh, it's, uh, it's going also with New Zealand. But we clearly need more because Putin also ha has resources, uh, you know, and resilience to, to, fight, uh, to fight on. Many people uh, never believed uh, that there should have been a full invasion. Uh, many people were talking about it, but simply they, uh, they, they did not believe it uh, because understanding the consequences. But for Putin, uh, in his head, there are no red lines. Neither no, no rational, neither, you know, neither rational nor rational. So it's, 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 really important, uh, it's really important to understand. And now we need bold leadership. And a different kind of leadership, because Putin understands only sheer force. He respects he respects uh, yeah. people acting acting forcefully. If you if you don't act forcefully, you are part of rubbish for him. It's uh, I I followed him in many Normandy summits. Uh, it's the only he he understands and perceives the world as a sequence of special operations. He's KGB guy. He's not a military guy. Uh, I don't know whether whether you understand me, but it's it's a critical point. And if you have people in charge who who have, who have special operation mentality, it's crazy. It's crazy dangerous because another special operation could blow the whole uh, could whole, blow the whole planet. Personally, I found this conversation extraordinary with the layers and layers of insights, and certainly has shattered any thought that a, um, Australia and New Zealand um, would be perhaps not um, as touched as much by this uh, war, um, completely shattered. 
for me, what is important that uh, now we clearly see here that uh, there are some values which are really worth of mortal fight and uh, that we uh, can really stand together protecting these values. Uh, th these are very basic ones, you know, like right to life, right for happiness, right to have a home, uh, family, etc. And for us uh, in Ukraine, it is a time of action. And we are really grateful to all the people around the globe um, uh, who are standing with us, who are acting with us right now uh, to defend these values. Mm -hmm.